Welcome back to the Christ and Culture. This is Gordon. And this is Clint. We mentioned this last week, but I want to be transparent here. We're recording two episodes in the same day because Gordon's going to be gone for a little bit. And we just went to Reconciliation before coming over here. Yep. And I was actually really impressed because when I was driving over there, I was like, it's going to be super short line, get in, get out. Because like, we just had Christmas and this is an awful thought of me, but I was like, a lot of people either went for Advent and are not going to go again until Lent or a lot of people like went to mass on Christmas and they're like, okay, we're good with this whole church thing for a little bit. I was very pleasantly surprised to see we had like over 30 people. Yeah, in that line. was the longest line I've seen there. In a it was amazing. Time. Yeah. And I was like, I felt like kind of a creeper. I was like looking around and I was just like smiling. <laughs> I was like, this is awesome. Like, I'm sorry, like you committed sins and stuff, but like, hey, I'm here too. Like, this is awesome that we have so many people come to confession. It was so cool. I hope most of them got to go because there's only one priest. I, I mean, he was cruising. He was like, but still like very intentional, as he as he does. I had, had lunch today with David and Grant, who actually is who I want to give a shout out to. So shout out Grant, and we were talking about like bad confession stories, and dude, I've ha- I've had some. So. There's, so by, have you? I'm not gonna say who who the priests were, but of course not. There was one where the priest wouldn't let me say more than one sin. He's like, not even just like say just your mortal sins and let's get out of here. He's like, you get one. Like, I don't, I don't feel like that's right, Father. Like, I think we're missing some stuff here. But yep. So that's one. Go ahead. What do you got? Uh, he was on his phone. Like texting or call? I don't know what he, I think it was like surfing the web while I was confessing. <laughs> like face face to face? Yeah. No he way. Didn't care. And then he was just like, say your absolution outside, you're good. And I was like, This doesn't feel like we did anything. Oh. And he was he wasn't just like looking up like, oh, something to No, he was on it when you. I walked in. And then he No eye you know, contact. Just, no eye contact. We never locked eyes. Ooh. I think he just took the cake. Yeah, because I remember it was one of, the, one of those situations where there was more than one priest, and we were in line, and I was like, oh, I'm going to go over to that one because it just opened up, and I ran over, and then I came back afterwards, and I was like, don't go over there. <laughs> wow, that is so sad. Yeah. Uh, we should we should stop before we don't like bash any priests and stuff, but like... No, he's, I'm sure he's a great uh, priest. Yeah, but like, sometimes... Priests have bad days, or they're distracted. Yeah, it's no different than... Yeah. I'm a missionary, and sometimes I don't want to go to work. Man, sometimes I'm a jerk to my kids. Yeah. yeah there you go. Confession right sometimes here. you just on your phone in front of your kids. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, hey, guys, I don't care about you. I'm going to go on Twitter. <laughs> That's not true. Speaking oh of Twitter, I found Twitter. a great new Twitter page. Like, I, I started following it for us, but it's what hilarious. It? It's called uh, Gregorian... Yeah, Gregorian Swears. And it's basically just like a whole bunch of funny things like you pray louder than a donkey, but all of it's written out in like actual Gregorian chant or like, like those sayings, like, how about no, or all those things. I feel like I've seen people posting. Yeah. It was someone retweeted it that we follow that I don't know. And then I checked it out and it's hilarious. So I just want to point out, like when we first got a Twitter for the podcast, I loathed Twitter. Like, absolutely hated it. I'm kind of addicted now. Like, it's gotten bad. I'm, it, I'm not it, really good at using it. I still yeah. just, like, skip most of the feed, but... Yeah, you mostly just, like... I just, like, swipe until something that catches my eye. Or troll people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's ever anyone trolling from the podcast account, it's always Gordon. There's so many times I want to respond to something you've already responded to, but with the opposite context or, yeah. like, the opposite response, because I do feel differently... <laughs> But I knew it would just be really confusing to everyone else. That's why I just got to like get in and respond to everyone first. And then you just, you can't do any responses. Yeah. No, I don't want to do that. So speaking of Twitter. Yeah. And other things that we can't have anymore because we're on Exodus 90. You're on Exodus 90. Yes, I am. And so are you. And so is Steve. Yeah. What are you taking in right now? Uh, well, have, 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 I taken have you in? taken in? What well, is it right now, but not when this comes out. I watched Klaus. Yeah? Yeah. Was it as good as uh, I made it sound? Yeah, it was good. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I watched, during the week of wedding prep, 
um, one of the few things I did actually watch with Lizzie, we watched um, Hot Ones. Have you seen the Hot Ones interviews? Yeah, that's where the... Yeah. The look at rings. us. Yeah. Yeah. Who'd have thought? Yeah. Not me. <laughs> I, Gosh, I, I love that. Uh, yeah, so we watched, like, we binged, because now it's it's evolved to where he has, like, they're in seasons, and he, like, plans it out, like, way ahead of time. Most of them are, like, 30 minutes long. Oh, wow. So yeah, yeah. they started off real brief, like, 10 to 15 minutes, but now it's pretty much, like, a mini podcast, just... You know, I'm waiting for him to get like a series on like Netflix or something, but they're great. I watched like three of them. They were really good. And the last thing I wanted to talk about was in between the, these two, which was uh, the, the new Netflix movie, Two Popes. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen it. You know, both have strong feelings about it. One thing I will Based say, on the trailer. one thing I will say, they got the looks down. Like for Pope Francis for sure. Pope Benedict was yeah, it was all right. It I wasn't bad. It's, it's I mean if you're say like who am I dressed up as? I'd be like oh Pope Benedict. Yeah. Yeah. You know I'll give him that. But I know somebody and I was given clearance to be able to share this story. Wow. Without saying names, but I know somebody that over Christmas break went to midnight mass for the first time in a long time. Yes. That's and awesome. there's and there's someone who practices something or or lives out something in their personal life different than Catholic teaching. Oh, and so awesome. that's why you know they've struggled with certain like theology. Mm-hmm. And they went because of this movie. Really, they saw this movie, and the conversations that were being had between the two popes, they just felt called to go to mass, and they went to mass not with their family, just random group of friends. That I don't know if they go to mass regularly, and they went and participated. Interesting. Yeah. So they they weren't like baptized or raised they Catholic or anything. Were yes. okay, and they're like fall away. Yes, because okay. of yeah, because of personal. personal sure, life. sure, sure. Yeah. Did they say like what specifically in the movie? <sighs> no, no, I don't know. I imagine it's. I imagine it was a lot of what Pope Francis said, or I guess not Pope Francis in the movie. He's cardinal, whatever. Mm. but Bergoglio yeah but this is here's my hot take it's obviously not necessarily a true story what this movie is is they took two characters a very conservative conservative person in the church and a very liberal person in the church to have a catholic dialogue on church doctrine and I think that's what the movie is because there's been articles I've read and certain things that like this friendship that this movie portrays didn't really like happen they weren't mm. like always strolling and talking there were scenes they talk about certain things that in real life pope francis was like off on mission and they were like butting heads about this through letters or through like tr- him trying to do something as a pope and then this cardinal disagreeing with that so it wasn't all friendly but this is just a really friendly way to have this open dialogue of different ideas on theology which is why i think you mentioned your teens it's kind of an attractive piece and so I don't know what was said, but something in there I'm sure was brought up on certain very common, actually, today church teaching that's discussed that helped him feel included. Watching the trailer, so I, I saw the trailer right away. I was kind of excited, which yeah, uh, I was like, cool, something on the church. And then I watched the trailer, which came out a, a while back, and um, my immediate reaction was, this does not sound like Pope Francis and Pope Benedict. Right, uh, and exactly. So, with, just the, used characters. with the characterization that you're saying, like maybe it's just two people from different perspectives. The problem is they're kind of like taking the news perception or the, the media perception of what those two popes were. So we have Pope Benedict, who is a right. uh, rule, like just a rule lawyer, always angry and just like super strict and like hates people. Then you have Pope Francis, the liberating leftist like he's just gonna mercy change everything and in reality the the way that they're portrayed from what i've been told i haven't seen it yet either although maybe we will will end up doing a show on that we'll see from what i've been told and from what i saw in the trailer it doesn't seem like them And, and they're not i don't think they're characterized fairly in the media and i feel like this is just picking up off of that and that's everyone who i've talked to that's seen it has said that's what happens I, mean, I feel like um, but, it's me making a movie about you, but I'm only picking one aspect of you, and it's like a caricature. It absolutely caricature is when like okay, you've you've big. I'm not saying this about you, but you've big ears or something, and they make that your feature. I do and have big and, ears. Instead, 
they did that with personality and so it's like, like you said he is this like i'm, I'm gonna just stick with those terms liberal lovey-dovey he is rule follower conservative kind of like seems negative but that's just his face he just that's just the face he makes <laughs> <laughs> i feel like that's what you're, you're targeting that at me aren't you that was it was a huge i get it i get it i get it that's fine for those of you who haven't seen me i always look angry i guess so it that's, is what it is i i get that and i, think I don't so, know i think it's just it wasn't even that they wanted to make a movie about these people it was really they wanted this dialogue to be said with this which yeah. i think is makes sense but they're using these people as as models uh i guess i'll, I'll give it a shot someone please request it so we can we can watch it <laughs> I guess by any it has, means it has been requested. i thought that was a really cool glory story yeah that is cool and in a way where even if it is totally against like what this podcast has like where it's like totally showing the wrong message you know god still uses that stuff There's right. like proof and in, in, in this idea yeah and so i mean maybe that's maybe if we do a show on it that's what our challenge is because it is kind of trying to do the opposite of what we talk about on here taking something that's religious and proving uh, making it secular yeah a secular yeah. point theoretically we'll see what it actually says i don't right, know right right but within that there has to be something good and so maybe that can be our challenge what about you what what had you taken in what have i taken in uh, i've actually taken in quite a bit while i was back i had access to disney plus so you know had to first things first i watched out of the box did you ever watch that show as a kid yes and i know you're obsessed with it we can even sing the jingle before we leave so long farewell now it's ruined we oh, can't sing it again we can i'll do it anyways it's gonna be great that'll be our outtake i love that show and sorry to my brother and all of his high school friends that i forced to watch it with me because they're in the same room the box it was so good man and like it's quality because they teach a lesson they do arts and crafts which arts and crafts are actually sick i want to try some of them they made a tree out of newspapers did you ever watch zoom 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 was great same thing zoom was great that was a great show we're not disagreeing i love zoom great show (laughs) zaboomafu oh my gosh one's different it's different it was good i love the quality still learning from the cartoon into the puppet coming yeah. on the screen and they yeah. catch him. And Anyways, it's a great show. Check it out. Outro, super catchy. Like when someone's trying to leave and everyone's like, so long, farewell. And they're like, no, that's old school. I need saying goodbye. Don't do that one anymore. Mm-hmm. We want this outro, which you'll hear at the end. It sounds the same at the beginning, but it's way better. So I watched that one night with my family. I watched Kingsman, The Golden Circle, which I'd seen before, but it's been a while. But the second one? It's the second one. Okay. I like that it has Taron Egerton and it has uh, Elton John. So you basically have two Elton Johns in one movie. It's great. And this next one has like a ton of people. Oh, there's another one? Yeah, called The King's Man. It's about how the whole thing started. So it's a period piece like oh, set in like the early 19 or 1800s. Different actors, I guess. They'd have to be. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. My younger brother got the video game Jedi Fallen Order, which is a canon video game in the star wars saga takes place during the rebels time period so it was kind of cool see some of the characters cross over from that i watched him play i never actually played it but during a couple of the scenes there is this actual real life band where their music is in the the game so at one point he's listening to their music and at another point their song is playing throughout an arena during like a fight scene and i was like that sounds really familiar and so I looked it up, and it's actually, it's one of the bands that uh, was used, their music was used at the fire show for the Renaissance Festival that I went to. Oh. And the reason why I remember them is because while I was watching this fire show, the fire show was amazing, the person right next to me was giving me like a play-by-play, not me, I guess she was giving her boyfriend or whatever, a play-by-play, and I overheard the whole thing, of this group because she had like listened to them the whole way up here and just happened to be they they were in the show. So they're called the Who. It's the H U and it's a Mongolian throat singing metal band. And it's actually extremely catchy and pretty cool. Sounds really weird at first. Is uh, it the weird thing they can do with their Is that what you mean by throat singing where they make the weird cool Yeah, sound? it's like you sing from like the back of your throat and yeah. so it sounds like yeah. That's going to sound really weird on the podcast. Sorry, guys. But check it out. Like, it, it's kind of cool. I don't know most of the lyrics to the songs. I know some of the lyrics to two of the songs, but it's all in Mongolian. So, sorry. I don't speak. Have you Mongolian. heard about Star Wars Rebels? What about it? I've seen the whole thing. 
getting a sequel coming next year. What? This year, actually, it's 2020. No, Clone Wars is getting a sequel. I think it's Rebels. Clone Wars is getting a sequel in like a month. No, I don't mean like it's coming out this year. I think it's like they're going to do more with Rebels. Do not tease me if this is fake. I'm not teasing you, I think. Oh my gosh. It came up on the Googles. I don't think it's like 100% confirmed, but it's in like the rumors of people have found some things that is hinted towards a, a sequel. This is amazing. It looks like, uh, yeah, there's a lot of rumors with it. That's that's awesome. That's exciting. Yeah, so I, I started listening to The Who, and because I listened to them a lot over the break and while I was traveling, you know how Spotify like shows like, you should listen to this. So I found another one called Scald. I think that's how you pronounce it. But it is a Viking rock band. That's amazing. I I know. And like this stuff has just been. You should. It's so share these things with Chris. Shout out Chris because he's been like trying to ingest more music. But it also just seems like music he would already natch. Like he just seems like he breathes this kind of music. Yeah. I don't know. I I love different cultures, and I know this is not like technically their cultures, but like the Who, they use Mongolian war chants, and they put it to metal music so like it actually is part of their culture so it's kind of cool and then just the last thing i want to mention i've been reading a book called on the accidental wings of dragons by julie wetzel i think is how you say her name it's one of those free books that i get and i just read all the time it's another fantasy book obviously with dragons a little bit more promiscuous than i expected but yeah it's not awful i guess yeah so it's free Speaking of Star Wars, since we were talking about that a little bit, we did get a challenge from our friend Danny Sackfurt. She emailed us a couple of days ago, and she had something to do with the the latest Star Wars trilogy. So I'll kind of just summarize it, but basically, uh, she was talking about Finn, basically from yeah the, his from, story arc. Yeah, Finn from the from the Rise of Skywalker, and basically that that whole trilogy, and basically this idea that he's a child slave turned into a stormtrooper brainwashed forced to become a soldier and then he grows a conscience supposedly and then he immediately turns around and massacres other people other stormtroopers to like escape and that he takes delight in it i don't really remember him taking delight in that you're talking about the one scene where like they fly now they fly now and then the one like they shoot the rocket and he spirals into the cliff and he's like yes and there's oh. like a few times like that when they're gunning too and they're like woohoo and the classic stuff that like really excites you as a fan because it's just from the originals yeah but it is in that moment and what she didn't mention is because i listened to that episode of catching foxes what they were talking like calling him out on was that he finds out that all stormtroopers are slave children yeah and so really he's like if he can change, they can change too, but he's just killing them. Mm-hmm. But that's not her question. Her question is like, is sure. it wrong? Because maybe he's just, you know, there could be this possibility of his upbringing and all this stuff that he's like, he's dealing with some stuff. You know, he technically should be really messed up. Mm-hmm. And so maybe out of that, like this is revenge, this is despite, but it's just wrong to take it on, on those people and in those ways. So... Um, I'll stop there and you can run with it from that. Yeah. So she has a couple of questions in here, but essentially it comes down to like, what is just war and like, is it wrong for him to delight in this kind of stuff? So uh, obviously we never want to delight in the loss of life, even in the case of just war or self-defense, just, we still should not delight in harming someone or, or if need be uh, taking a life. Right. So that's base number one. I'm not an expert on just war, and I think this is something that's debated by a lot of people, but I do know a couple of the categories. So essentially, just war can never be initiated, so it always has to be a response. So you you can't just assume that someone is going to do something and attack them, right? Which strategically is not necessarily a good idea, but you are sacrificing the strategic advantage in the hopes that, like you said, the other person might come around, right? And so doing everything up to the point of it becoming too late to try and save them first. So that's that's one of the things. Your retaliation and self-defense can never be greater than the aggression itself. So that's another part of just war. I like to use the example of like someone breaks into your house, right? They come in and they have no gun and they're just like, 
hey, give me your money, and you shoot them in the head, like that's probably too far, right? If, oh yeah, even in legal terms. Right. Yeah. Or if someone's just like, hey, like I'm, I'm just, I'm here, like I'm just gonna take your stuff and go. Again, no weapon. Like you. I remember one of the things I learned in school, because in, in going through business, you have to learn a little bit of law. Sure. One of the examples I use a lot is if you walk into your home and someone's already in there robbing your place and you're like, hey, and they are like, like trying to escape. Yes. Good example. And you attack them or shoot them. That's injustice. Right. Because they were already, they weren't trying to harm you. That's like, that's the whole thing. It's, it's self-defense. Yeah. And if it's not self-defense, which that's the issue with just war, like, or especially the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. You know, with uh, what's I don't remember the term for the enemy, the but, Viet Cong. Yeah, but no, but they always had a, a Charlie. Oh yeah, you know they always called it Charlie, and they just shot at shadows because mm-hmm. they were just trained to shoot at the enemy. Right. But they weren't. It wasn't. In, I mean, it was in a little way. They were extremely afraid for their lives. But, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people in that example will say, oh, "Well, they're running away with my property." This is a point where we, as Christians and as Catholics, we need to realize that our property is not worth a a person's life. A a life is always the greatest good, always. And that's another thing, like it's really not our property. Even though we legally own things, we need to remember that everything we have is a gift from God and we need to be unattached to those things so that if we do lose them, we're we're not led into sin because of that loss. Yeah. Right. So that's another thing. And I do think Star Wars paints a really good picture in these instances where Finn is killing people, it is either his life or other lives or, or theirs. And another thing that's really, you know, good is not good, I would say, but another thing I really we see in these movies usually is they don't usually actually go for the soldiers themselves unless they're on foot. But in like ships or on those ships, they usually kinda of go for the engine or something where like they wreck or, or, or the command center, or right? Shuts you know, down. and so they try not to take a life. It kind of seems I don't know if that's really the intent, but in those instances, it's okay of with what he's doing. The rejoicing part, which is part of the question, I don't think is just like being Correct. happy over that death is not okay. Yeah, yeah. And the last um, last category that I can think of, and maybe if someone's a canon lawyer that listens to this, first off, wow, thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe they can help us out with some more details. But the last thing I can think of, as far as uh, just war, is it has to be in defense, right? So it has to be for an actual like protection of life. And so the last couple of things here is, so we talked about the rejoicing. Obviously, that's not a good thing because we should never rejoice at the loss of life. And the last thing on here, as far as questions, it looks like she's asking, how should we as Catholics act in those situations where our country goes to war? I guess this is kind of pertinent right now. Uh, there's the joke going around about World War III. But the question is, like, what, would, what are we supposed to do as Catholics in those situations where our, our country goes to war and we're expected to fight in that? That is really hard, to be honest. Uh, first off, I would recommend the movie Hacksaw Ridge, if you haven't seen that. It is about a actual story from World War II where a guy, he refused to fight, but he wanted to be in the army because he wanted to do his duty and to protect others. And so he became a medic and he actually became a war hero. And it's a pretty good story. I think there's something where you can opt out for religious purposes. You can also test into getting like different uh, roles and stuff like that. Maybe you are a computer engineer or conscience. Con- conscientious uh, conscientious objection yeah objector yeah so just a couple things I, i'm not an expert on that but yeah it, it's definitely an interesting thought so thanks danny for bringing that up and for referencing ca- catching foxes hopefully that's a an adequate answer but that's about as much as i know so with that can we talk about the actual topic now yeah yeah, yeah. Marriage story marriage story from netflix it's gonna be a, just this whole thing's gonna be a downer just killing people and divorce. Divorce. Okay, so Marriage Story is a really beautiful movie on Netflix, just much like last week's episode on The Irishman. Beautiful movie, very sad. I really enjoyed it. Lizzie really enjoyed it. We had to do it in two parts because the first time I watched it emotionally, one of us wasn't there. My, I grew up in divorce. And so like from sixth grade to senior year of high school, my parents were separated and going through being divorced. So it took mm-hmm. them like seven years to finalize a divorce 
and it's it's tough but I, I i'm fine it's all good it's just it's just a different experience yeah i have a a little bit different of a situation where my parents uh were divorced when i was in college i was about i think i was a junior when the process started so yeah i was older when it happened but obviously still still affected by it so that is simply the theme of this episode is really divorce it's it's love and it's it's lies versus truth things we've all talked about before not really divorce but like brokenness and like you know maybe this is way too early to ask this question but is there a reason why it's called marriage story if it's about divorce well it's mostly takes place during this they're still married it's not really they're not divorced Hmm. no i don't think so i think it's ironic so just to go in there's two characters okay charlie which is played by adam driver star wars yeah and nicole who's played by scarlett johansson Mm -hmm. charlie is a stage director in new york he writes plays and directs them like really you know small plays you know the things you'd go see i forgot what it's called like off off broadway type stuff yeah and it's really funny because i think this movie is written as one of those plays like this movie has monologues this this movie has just like scenes where you're like wow that felt like a play but very like produced like a still a movie and so i think that's one of the reasons why it's called marriage story is because it, it would seem that would seem like something you would go see as a play marriage story and then you would go and it's this whole drawn out play about the fall of this marriage mm. okay and so it's just like this irony and it opens up i don't know if you've seen the trailer but it's the same trailer but it opens up with with dialogue from each of them and charlie starts it's funny too because if you actually look up imdb and all this stuff they don't have last names you don't know their last name i'm looking at it right now which is which is also interesting because the last name would have been the same because mm. they're married mm-hmm but because they omitted giving them a last name and this was about divorce, it's like they're already lacking that connection. Yeah, interesting. Can I point something else out since I'm on yeah, IMDb? Go. This has nothing to do with the actual show, but there's one of the actors on here is Matthew Marr. So Matt Marr. Not there the we same, are. Not the same guy. Not the same guy. The other thing to point out as far as characteristics, so he's a he writes plays in LA, I mean in, in New York. She is an actor in or an actress in LA. Hmm. Most of it takes place in LA. And so the first part is you're seeing snippets of Nicole and you hear Charlie's voice and it says, what I love about Nicole. She makes people feel comfortable about even embarrassing things. She really listens when someone is talking. Sometimes she listens too much for too long. She's a good citizen. She always knows the right thing to do when it comes to difficult family stuff. I get stuck in my ways and she knows when to push me and when to leave me alone. She cuts all of her hair. She's always inexplicably brewing a cup of tea that she doesn't drink. And it's not easy for her to put away a sock or close a cabinet or do a dish, but she tries for me. Nicole grew up in L.A. around actors and directors, movies and TV, and is very close to her mother, Sandra, and Cassie, her sister. Nicole gives great presence. She is a mother who plays, really plays. She never steps off playing or says it's too much. And it must be too much sometime. She's competitive. She's amazing at opening jars because of her strong arms, which I've always found very sexy. She keeps the fridge over full. No one is ever hungry in her house. She can drive a stick. After that movie, All Over the Girl, she could have stayed in LA and been a movie star, but she gave that up to do theater with me in New York. She's brave. She's a great dancer. Infectious. She makes me wish I could dance. She always says when she doesn't know something or hasn't read a book, or seen a film or play, whereas I fake it, or say something like, I haven't seen it in a while. My crazy ideas are her favorite things to figure out how to execute. She's my favorite actress. I'm gonna keep going. Yeah, this is long. Yeah, it is long. Then vice versa. Okay. What I love about Charlie. Charlie is undaunted. He never lets other people's opinions or any setbacks keep him from what he wants to do. Charlie eats like he's trying to get it over with and like there won't be enough food for everyone. A sandwich is to be strangled while devoured, but he's incredibly neat, and I rely on him to keep things in order. He's energy conscious, because he doesn't look in the mirror too often. He cries easily in movies. He's very self-sufficient. He can darn a sock and cook himself dinner and iron a shirt. He rarely gets defeated, which I feel like I always do. Charlie takes all of my moods steadily. He doesn't give in to them and makes me feel bad about them. He's a great dresser. He never looks embarrassing, which is hard for a man. 
He's very competitive. He likes being a dad. He loves all the things you're supposed to hate, like the tantrums, the waking up in the night, and it's almost annoying how much he likes it. But then, it's almost nice. He disappears into his own world. He and Henry are alike in that way. He can tell people when they have food in their teeth or on their face in a way that doesn't make them feel bad. Charlie is self-made. His parents, I only met them once, but he told me there was a lot of alcohol, some violence in his childhood. He moved to New York from Indiana with no safety net, and now he's more a New Yorker than any other New Yorker. He's brilliant at creating family out of whoever is around. With the theater company, he cast a spell that made everyone feel included. No one, not even an intern, was unimportant. He could remember all the inside jokes, he's extremely organized and thorough, and he's very clear about what he wants. Unlike me, who can't always tell. Interesting. Yeah, one of the things I noticed is it's not all utilitarian stuff. I I was kind of expecting it to be like just a checklist of he does this for me, she does that for me kind of thing. That's that's not the case. There's a lot of different stuff in there. Yeah, I, I, I think some of it's good, some of it's weird and random, but I guess that's part of uh, relationships in a way. But as a like list of why they love each other, I don't know. I don't think they actually said anything of like, I, I love them because I love them kind of thing. It's all like, even though it wasn't all utilitarian, it was kind of a checklist of like, I love this person because they do X, Y, and Z, and I like X, Y, and Z. Yeah, it's actually really interesting because even just reading it now, I didn't think about this when I copied that, but everything that they listed, they also mentioned was something that they struggled they with. They lacked, yeah. And so it was like this idea of admiring, like, wow, that's something I can't do. That's So I love that about you because mm-hmm. I, I don't do that. And there's only one thing I noticed they had in common. They were competitive. Hmm which you see they butt heads and are very stubborn the entire movie with this divorce. Interesting. This isn't super related, but Catholic stuff you should know. Just put out a, or I just listened to one of their podcasts on competition. and It was very, very good. And it might hint at something with this. I don't know the movie, so I can't comment yet. But We don't have a lot. So, like, I mean, there have like two other, three other maybe big quotes. But w- one thing I wanted, to, this is where I wanted to bring up lie versus truth. Okay. Because... Originally, when I thought about that theme, I thought this was the truth. And then later, there's a scene where they finally explode and they just start telling about like the bad things about each other that they've never finally shared. Hmm. And that those are the lies they're telling each other. But then there's a flick, so maybe that's the truth that they felt. Yeah. And these are the lies that they keep telling each other. I don't know. It's like a mixed bag. Sure. But there's another quote when he's trying to find a lawyer because they originally say, like, we're not going to do lawyers. Like, it starts off, they're already like, the scene is like, these are letters they wrote themselves in therapy. Hmm. And it starts off like you see that. And then they're going to therapy and he's like, all right, who's going to read first? And she's like, I'm not reading. This is stupid. And he's like, I like what I wrote. And they're already disagreeing and they don't read it. And so these are things that we hear, but they never hear. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So I mean, they never it? hear these affirmations for each other. And they're yeah. supposed to. It's supposed to be this part in the midst of divorce. And they said, we never do lawyers. But then she does. So he's trying to find one. And this lawyer says this. To him, he says, criminal, because he says something about her. He's like, no, she would never do that. And he's like, look, criminal lawyers see bad people at their best. Divorce lawyers see good people at their worst. Mm. And I think it's something really powerful because the lie in going to court as a criminal, you know, we can see this with, with, we talked about, you know, uh, Mindhunter. Yep. Is these people that are pretending to be good people. Yeah. Or crazy people, if you want to talk about Manson. And then in divorce, everything looks bad. The, the father looks bad. The mother, whatever. The nitpicking, everything looks really bad in order to win the case. Mm-hmm. But they're just parents. And, and not, that's not across the board. There are some situations where it's It is actually crazy. Right. But in this story, and you see it in both of them, they're just people hmm. that really want not the same thing. They want their thing. Right. But they also want the best thing. For Henry, who is their child. Hmm. And it's really hard. Yeah. We were talking to Lizzie before she left about speaking on things that an expert on here. <laughs> but so I don't know how much I can hint on relationships, but yeah, I, I, I think that speaks volumes that later on in the movie, 
they counter and say all those negative things. And so it's been building and building. Yeah. And so it it sounds like it's a relationship where, especially, I don't know if they're living apart, if they're in two different cities, Uh, probably, at least for part of it. It's mostly in LA. So that's the thing is basically she was born in LA. It's what he says. And the idea just to real quick is that they moved to New York for his work. Sure. And there's been this discussion of like, maybe they'll move and like live in LA for a little bit. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he thinks that, it's just a discussion and like they're really a New York based family. Mm-hmm. And so now she wants to live there permanently. The The marriage wasn't working so she, and all this stuff and everything as far as her son goes to school in LA now temporarily because they moved out there for a second before this whole started. Everything points to she's going to win the divorce because her family's out there. She's born there. Her son goes to school there. And so like it makes more sense for them to stay there. And he's trying to fight for this divorce for everything to end up in New York. Mm. and it's just not working against him. So he even rented an apartment so he can spend time with his son so it looked good, but now that he rented an apartment, it looks bad because he's living there. And it's just this thing of, it takes place in L.A., but he, the fight is he wants for them to live in New York, she wants to live in L.A. Okay. And they they can't live in different states and both adhere to their son. Gotcha. Yeah, so re- regardless, it, it comes down to what seems like really bad communication terrible because like you have all these negative things that it sounds like we're just unloaded i get it that happens when you're angry but the way you're portraying it at least it seems like they never discussed them and we see that in the therapy example as well where they also don't discuss the good things either they were afraid to even say good things about each other and they were afraid to address in therapy i mean they're in therapy that's literally what it's for those negative things that needed to be addressed and so you kind of just don't talk about things. Yeah. And then you have this living situation where it sounds like she wants to go back to LA eventually and he wants to stay in New York. Well, it sounds like there wasn't good communication there either. And that's a huge decision, right? Those are things you clearly want to be talking about. I just think, um, yeah, it, it sounds like communication. Well, I want to say to, I mean, uh, communication is two uh, roads, but I want to say another counselor. big thing is listening. But she's really good at listening. Almost too good. He's terrible. Sometimes she listens too much. He's really like inward focused. And so she actually does tell him multiple times a lot of things. And that's the issue is like he's really bad at communicating. She sometimes tries to communicate and he's really bad at listening. And so she just gives up eventually. Mm. But to this point with that competitive nature, they just don't communicate. And so you kind of see this when they do get lawyers and her lawyer's like, I need to know the story. And this is the first time you hear her side of the story, what happened. And so she says, well, I was engaged to Ben, living in LA, you know? And I felt like, yes, I wanted to make movies and marry Ben. I was only 19 or 20 Wait, at the engaged time. Engaged to Ben? Who's Ben? It's a good question. It says Ben. I don't know. Some His Ben guy? Charlie. She didn't even say that. I was only 19 or 20 at the time. Never felt older in my life. Anyway, if I was honest with myself, I was like a small part of me felt dead or deadish, you know? You tell yourself no one's perfect. No relationship is perfect. And the dead part wasn't that dead. It was just in a coma. It was better than the sex, the talking. But then the sex was also like the talking. Don't you ever find that, that like some things in a relationship are just everything in a relationship? And we spent the whole night and the next day together and I just, I just never left. Yes, to be honest, all the problems were there in the beginning too. But I just went along with him and his life because it felt so good to feel myself alive. In the beginning, I was the actress the star. I felt like something, you know? People came to me at first, but the farther away I got from that, the more acclaim to the theater company got, and I had less and less weight. I just became who? Well, you know, the actress that was in that thing that one time. He was the draw. And that would have been fine, but I got smaller. I realized I didn't even really come alive for myself. I was just feeding his aliveness. And you know, he was so smart and creative, it was fine. Some things I would tell him at home in private, and they would work their way into the public conversation into his work. And for a while, that felt like enough. I mean, I was just so flattered that someone like him would find an idea I had worth trying, or a comment I made worth repeating, and then I got pregnant. And I thought that having a baby could be ours, could really be ours, but also really be mine. And you know, he was so excited. So it was nice for a while. I mean, kids, they belong to themselves. It's like an instant they leave your body. It's just a process of them going away and it didn't belong to myself. And it was the small stuff, the stupid stuff, the big stuff, all the furniture in a house, it was his taste. 
I didn't even know what my taste was anymore because I'd never been asked to use it. I didn't even pick, pick our apartment. I just moved into his. And I made noises about wanting to move back to LA, but they came to nothing. And we'd come here on the holidays because he liked my family. But if I suggested w- what we do in a year or something, he'd just put me off. And it would be strange if, if he turned to me and said, and what do you want to do today? So this pilot came along, it shot in LA, and it paid so much, and it was there for a little while like a lifeline thrown at me. Here's this bit of earth that's yours. And I was embarrassed about it in front of him. But I was also like, yeah, this is who I am, this is what I'm worth. And maybe it's stupid, but at least it's mine. And if he had just taken me into a big hug and said, baby, I'm so excited for your adventure, of course I want you to have a piece of earth that's yours. Well, then it might have been getting divorced. But he made fun of it and was jealous like he is. And then he realized about the money, and he told me I could funnel it back into the theater company. And that's when I realized he truly didn't see me. He didn't see me as something separate from himself. And I asked him to say my phone number, and he didn't know it. So I left. I don't know phone numbers anymore. Uh, that's <laughs> that's a good point. I know <laughs> I know a couple. But yeah, I mean, there's so much in there. There was there's pride, there's selfishness, jealousy. I think a lot of it also ties back to what we talked about last week with being narrow-minded or focused on one thing and not addressing the actual problem, which leads back to the lack of communication, I guess. Another part of it is being seen. Right, and be- she wasn't seen because he was prideful because he was selfish because he was not because he wasn't listening and he wasn't even acknowledging that there were issues right right yeah and i think the other thing too was there's this repeated word in there and later he says it too of being alive so they come to this point i'm not going to repeat it another like long dialogue is when like i said she comes in and she's like i think we should talk things are getting out of hand and it's something he's been saying actually in the beginning he's like i don't think we should need lawyers it's going to get out of hand and she's like i think we should talk he's like okay we're sitting on a couch like you and i and he's and they're just like it's silent he's like i don't know how to start they can't even talk yeah i don't know how to start and so they start and then that's when everything just the floodgates open and they're like unloading things that they hate about each other what they think about each other what the person's what they're already saying they're like that's a lie this is how you really are to the point where they're saying I can't, like, I hate that I have to know you forever. I wish you would, like, effing die. All these things until, like, they're done. They realize what they just said. And he breaks down because he's like, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't mean any of that. It was just all, like, passion-driven. But then there's this weird moment where he goes home to New York or whatever home is. And he's with his group of play people, actors, whatever you want to call them. Thespians. And he sings this, you know musicals. Do you know the musical Company? No. Okay. I didn't know. I, I meant to look up what it's about because I'm sure there's an importance to it. But he sings this song, and it's really weird because I didn't know it was from a musical until recently or until prepping this. But he sings this song out of the blue because they're, they're, they're in a karaoke bar. But I thought it, it seemed really like actually like a musical moment. And these are the lyrics. Someone to hold me too close. Someone to hurt me too deep. Someone to sit in my chair and ruin my sleep and make me aware of being alive, being alive. Somebody need me too much. Somebody know me too well. Somebody pull me up short and put me through hell and give me support for being alive. Make me alive. Make me confused. Mock me with praise. Let me be used vary my days but alone is alone not alive somebody crowd me with love somebody force me to care somebody let me come through i'll always be there as frightened as you to help us survive being alive so it looks like that is uh the final song in in the musical i just looked it up from the the main character his name is robert robert is uh well, from what this says, he's a single guy who all of his friends, he has five couples who are all married. He's single, but he has three girlfriends, it looks like. And he struggles to commit to anything, especially like a relationship. So that's your background for... There you go. Also, it looks like Neil Patrick Harris was in this at one point. <laughs> Unrelated. And that was really, those lyrics are like the last thing that I, I really had but mm-hmm. cause that song really stuck out to me as like encompassing the whole movie and their tension and this relationship and everything like 
he was talking about these things of like holding me too close, hurting me too much, yeah. loving me too much. But that's what makes me feel alive. Whereas when I'm alone, that's alone. That's not alive. Mm. Like there's something to family, com- companionship, relationships that even in the hardships, you're still like it's it's that pain that reminds you you're living right rather than this numbness, this this by yourselfness that can't. Yeah, and that's interesting because several people that I've talked to who have been divorced, if they were like the ones that initiated it, have mentioned something along these lines of feeling dead and just like not having life anymore. And so that, that's interesting that like that's the song, and I, I guess that that makes sense where that's coming from. And I think there's something to that though, like without love, or if we are alone, we feel dead, right? And why do why do we feel that way? It's because there's something wrong with the situation, right? Which tells us that what we've mentioned on here before, we as human beings are made to be loved. Mm-hmm. We are made for love, from love, and to love. But also we're made for community. We're not meant to be alone. And sometimes people, when I say that, will ask, like, well, what about monks? Monks have a, well, first off, they're not alone, typically, unless they're extremely uh, like like hermits, I guess that'd be a better example because like even monks have a community, but like hermits have to have a very special, very rare disposition. I mean, even to be a monk, you have to have like this intense psyche valve to even be able to handle that kind of thing. But that's, it's the exception, not the rule. Like we, we are made for community. And if we are without that, then we feel dead because God himself is love and community. And we we desire that we need that i would even argue this is more of an opinion but i would argue that hermits probably have a very different unique and special spiritual relationship with god than others because when they're isolated they have to f- sure. form their community there yeah and maybe that's maybe that's the case i can't say i've ever uh dialogued with a hermit <laughs> a crab maybe but when we get into the bad jokes you know it's time to start wrapping it up so <laughs> challenges i don't really have one read the great divorce my challenge i if i would have known i would have probably saved this but it's from last week okay where we talked about having real conversations i didn't think about that so yeah this whole thing seems to be to me a, a result of not appreciating those around you not listening and not having real conversations when it's difficult So my challenge for you is to have real conversations. If there's someone in your life, maybe there's a significant other, if you're married, your spouse, have a real conversation with them. And I mean like a real, real conversation with them. Take a chance to be vulnerable with something that's bothering you or to just address something or even just to tell them something that you really love. Like that letter at the beginning that they never read to each other. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe that can be a challenge too if you want. Write a letter to someone and tell them why you love them. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be crazy. But just have real conversations. Tell people you love them. See people as people. I like that a lot. Do you have any shout outs? Uh, I have one. Okay. Peter Fontana. Yeah. Who was it with the door? I think I mentioned the podcast once randomly this past month. It was probably at a Christmas party or something. He was like, what is that? I just, because I was on our emails for danny and i saw that he followed us on youtube yeah he followed us a while back and i was like wow okay yeah that was really intentional so thank you peter i don't know if you're actually listening to these but that's really cool yeah we appreciate it and just so you guys know there was an issue with the program that puts our podcasts on youtube so we were hoping to have all of them up by now but instead we don't have the majority of them up so please be patient especially with exodus uh, 90 it's going to be slowed down a little bit but we will be getting those up soon yes my only shout out i gave already so that's for grant my former teen if you remember our first live show he's the one that got facebook just yeah, no, for, i remember that yeah. yeah so good guy please pray for him he's in college right now yeah so that's that's all i got sweet 
Otherwise, you guys know where to find us. We have a website that connects you to everywhere else, thechristandculture.com. We have a Facebook, Christ and Culture, a YouTube that we just mentioned, the Christ and Culture with videos and these podcasts, and a Twitter page that we're on more frequently than anything else, at OnTheAdventure2. And then if, if you like what we're putting out, if, if you want more content or, or merch or just really to better this podcast, help us get new equipment, help us to get things where this just sounds better we can do this and reach more people whatever you just feel really passionate about this we have a patreon where you can donate at different tiers and receive thank yous and in different ways and that is patreon forward slash the christ and culture also since back in january sls was a really big thing yeah and i saw that on twitter and i missed my experience there from from college sls and seek are fantastic conferences if you guys are in college, you should go to them. They're also open to non-college students now. So if you work for a parish or you volunteer, I would definitely check them out. They're phenomenal. And with that being said, please vote the Christian culture for Seek 2021 in St. Louis so we can go and do a live show for you guys. That would be dope. It'd be super cool. And we would be there for you. And for us, but also for you. But for us. Yeah. Be alive. Alright guys, have a good one and thanks for joining us on the adventure. So long. Farewell to you, my friends. Goodbye for now until we meet again. I said so long, farewell to you, my friends. Goodbye for now until we meet again. It's been fun to play and sing together in the box, but now it's time to say goodbye. So long, farewell. To you, my friends, goodbye for now, until we meet again. Oh, they're so much better than me, but that was fun. Bye, guys. Remix. <laughs> <laughs>